Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Suggs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. I mentioned this at the Mint Collective. Kurt's the only one that's ever really called me out about me saying this is the greatest hobby of all time. He made some good points, but for me, it's still the greatest hobby of all time. So uh, thanks, Kurt, for pushing back brutally on that, but I had a good time getting to know you. It's not clear that if you send in a great card and don't pay for the subgrades, mm-hmm. you can still get gold label 10 or black label 10 without paying. You wanted to make that perfectly clear so that people would send in their cards. If they had a really good card, they'd say, gee, I don't want to pay for the subgrades, but it might make a black, but I don't want to pay for it. So they wouldn't. Now that's what would speak to the BGS decision makers. Wait a minute. I mean, we're leaving money on the table. Right. Uh, but I don't know that, that, that they're thinking that way. They might be thinking that they're in a situation where people are thinking they've got to pay for subgrades, upcharge it, and that's found money. I've had some discussions with him about this. It's a philosophical thing. Subgrades was a huge part of the market distinctive when we started. It was so valuable that they thought we can charge extra for this. Now, you're pointing out kind of the flaw in the system. If it's a 10, I didn't pay for the subgrades, but it's a black 10. <laughs> so who cares? You can see from a glance. Or if it's gold, that's not enough. 9.5 is not enough. A 10, which is still going to have a 9.5 or two. Again, what if you had a gold, a 10 label, and you didn't have the subgrades? You would know there wasn't black, but you wouldn't know which ones were. So I think it's practical for them that if something comes up a 9.5 or a 10, they're going to put the subgrades on there, whether you paid for them or not. And yeah. so, so you're being more, well, you're being brutally honest. You're, you're living up to your name. And I'm a little bit like this too. More information is better being more explicit, being more transparent, whereas BGS is saying, you kind of got to figure that out. If you send it in, we're not going to downgrade it because you they're certainly not going to downgrade it because you didn't pay for the subgrades. Right. I, I don't think you get subgrades if you have a nine. And a nine could wind up being three tens and a 7.5. You, well, you don't get subgrades automatically added even if it's a 9.5. If I pay for the no. base submission, you're not, yeah, it's just 9.5, no subgrades if you didn't pay for them. But- I, I don't know about that because I know that for sure. For instance, here's the, the Agassi itself I've got here is a 9.5 no subs, but I think it can be divvied out. If the folks that are looking to, to generate more revenue are concerned about defeating themselves or killing their own market, they may be right. They know more about it than I do, but I would submit that it's possible that on the lower end of cards, let's assume that PSA meets their goal, which is to get prices on low end way back down. They, they have literally said $10. I, I can't imagine they're going to get it there. But even if they get it back down to 20, okay, and, and BGS comes out with a full scale of different tiers of pricing and has one on the low end, roughly 20, 25. You want the people on that low end with, let's just say a pink refractor, Vlad Guerrero Jr. rookie card. It's not numbered. It's not autographed. It's decent. It's got more rarity than a base, but you're not probably going to pay a lot of money for grading. You know what I'm saying? If I ripped that card open myself or bought it raw and I've looked at it and I'm good at examining condition of cards and I'm saying, this card is pristine. I cannot find anything wrong with it. There should be an incentive because Beckett dominates the best condition cards. What would you want? A PSA 10 or a BGS black label? Every single person that's in the know would want the black label. So all those people on the low end should be encouraged to send in that no subgrade submission, just pay the cheapest Beckett has to offer and hope for the black label. It may not come, but it might come. 
And right now, it took a customer service contact for me to find that out, that it was even possible. There shouldn't be that, that, that big of a barrier for me to find out that if I don't ask for subgrades, I can still get a black label with subgrades. I think the other important part of subgrades is new cards sent in really should not be below a nine. There's some nines. You can't see why they're not tens. But an 8.5, usually you have something you can see, hey, that's not perfect. You do know the top, Tops' threshold is eight, right? Tops. When Tops packages cards, when they come off the press and they package them, their goal is an eight or better. So this is stated from Tops, right? Okay. It's not okay. nine or better. From Tops' standpoint, it's eight or better. I'm talking about being sent in. I'm talking about being sent in. And okay, okay. And especially the Chrome cards. They have to have really bad scratch or something. But no, my point is, if everything coming in is nine, 9.5, and 10, with a lot of nines, a lot of nine fives though too. The disadvantage I had, and I think I've got to do full disclosure soon, because I'm with brutally honest uh, Kurt, but <laughs> you know, they are putting subgrades on my nine point fives. You're not ordering subgrades. I'm not paying. I think you're. I getting, am getting special treatment. I think you're getting you know, a, I, I, a bucket discount. I think I'm going to gym back at discount. You know that's not really fair. I guess I shouldn't complain. I, I don't get that many 9.5s and mainly I'm sending in older stuff. So it's, I'm not, but it just seems to me most of the 9.5s I got have subgrades on there. So that's why I was thinking that way. And a 9.5 without subgrades, it's dicey as to whether you would send it to PSA, because I, I think the market has determined that a PSA 10 is better than a Beckett 9.5, even though they're both supposed to be Gen Mint in terms right. of value in the secondary market. Right. And the slab conquers are like yeah. a 9.5 with certain subgrades is instantly liquidated and poured into a PSA 10 right. uh, by the those who can do the algorithm pretty much. When it comes to re-slabbing, there's something I'm a little confused about. There's all these people out there that are going to the trouble of using tools to crack plastic slabs. When there's a service offered by both PSA and Beckett where you just send in the old slab. From the other company, they'll grade it through the slab and crack it for you. If necessary. What's that? They don't always crack it. Don't right. BGS, if somebody sends a PSA card to BGS, they don't have to crack it. Uh, they'll look at it through the slab. And the first determination is, I think there's a pretty good chance this is going to cross over to the desired grade. Let's crack it and see. And sometimes that backfires, but it's a calculated risk. There seems to be this perception out there that that you have a better chance of getting like in PSA's case, getting a 10 if you crack it first and then send it in raw, then if you send the card in, if you're convinced that the card is in great condition, my tendency would be to just send it in. Why go to all the trouble of using tools and shattering plastic and everything? But it seems like the market has said, don't do that because you're very unlikely to get it reholdered. It's the big submitters, Kurt, have empirically, I think, haven't shown me their data, but I think they have data that suggests Okay. send it a 9.5 uh, in the slab, that PSA has a little bit of a competitor bias. Okay. And I, I'm not sure that's true if it's a 9.5 with, say, the configuration of subgrades. But yeah, I, I think they've done that. Just like you've done your analysis on, on the market you're playing in, some of the people that are doing that have, have done that empirically enough to see that, yeah, I need to, I need to crack it. Does Beckett discourage cracking or do they encourage it and then ask the, the person to say, hey, can you adjust your pop count? I cracked the slab, just letting you know. It's, how do they feel about it? I think it's hard to police the, the pop report. If I were in charge, I would encourage people, if they wanted to, crack their own slab because the liability of cracking, and again, they, 
they probably have professional crackers there <laughs> that are cracking. But I've cracked a bunch of cards that I just didn't want in the bad holders of, of other people and stuff like that. Have I damaged one out of a thousand cards? Yeah. If I've cracked a thousand cards, I've, I, I surely have damaged more than one. Mm-hmm. So if it's one out of a thousand, that's not good. It needs to be zero out of a thousand. So I think they're better at cracking, but it'd be better for the person to crack. Then they're taking the liability because if you crack it out, and then you wind up regrading it. It comes out with a lower grade than it was before. BGS would be just doing their job and they would look like the bad guy. So there's a lot of psychology there. Okay. To, just to finish that off, if they, if they don't pay for subgrades, then they're not expecting subgrades. Maybe it's an overpromise and underdeliver kind of thing that they got the subgrades, they didn't pay. And when you're good at looking at raw cards, when a card has upside to be pristine or to be black label. So those are the ones, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Last question. You mentioned, and no one has questioned this, that I have made the statements. I think this is the greatest hobby in the world. You push back on that and we're looking, to be brutally honest, and what evidence do I have of that? If I had a tournament, a March Madness of, of hobbies... <laughs> Where sports, I'm talking about sports cards, really, not just trading cards. And over the last year, there's been arguably huge noise in the collectible card game category, Pokemon and all this other stuff. But I'm a sports card guy. And my opinion is it's the greatest hobby in the world. You can make money off it, endless enjoyment, old friends, new friends, all that stuff. But you were acting like that's presumptuous. And I think it is presumptuous. So I'm agreeing with you. But presumptuous means it's what I presume. When I was running the company related to this, I would not uh, allow my enthusiastic employees in marketing or any other area to make claims that could potentially be verifiably false. But what happens on TV and other forms of media is that if you make claims of any kind that are unverifiable. This is my favorite toothpaste. It's the best toothpaste I've ever used. You can't refute it. You, if you were to sue, bring a class action lawsuit that I was misrepresenting, that this was not the greatest hobby, you would eat the plaintiff and you'd have to make your case that who was damaged and, and how what I said was false. And I don't think it's provably false or true. I agree with that. And I'm going to have future episodes where I'm going to go against uh, hunters and fishermen, people who like to fish and hunt and any other kind of a hobby. I've already had comic book guys on. So, so Kurt, it's just in my opinion, are you saying more than that? Because I want to be an opinion leader and I want people to think, hey, it's a kid's hobby and I'm trying to bring it to the mainstream. I think this is now a hobby that's got ink and exposure that people can say, hey, this is a for real hobby that is fabulous. Whether it's the greatest, in my opinion, it is. So. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I think it was an interesting philosophical discussion from the standpoint that it's a little bit of a a divide by zero. So I I think it's a false statement from the standpoint that there is no such thing as the greatest hobby. So you have different peoples with different value sets and different physical abilities and different mental inclinations. So there's going to be a a huge swath of the population. They're not inclined to be interested in, in sports cards. So there's no way that it will become ever the greatest hobby to them. Yeah. There's things that doesn't have, we're not going to get a cardiovascular workout typically from being a hobbyist in sports cards. There's just other things that have other advantages. Just from a standpoint of when we say that we're the greatest, like if we took it on a personal thing, I'm the greatest at this, that's usually a repelling thing to those that are listening to us. And as an advocate of the hobby, I was just basically submitting that if you tweaked it a little bit and said, 
this is a great hobby. This is such a deep hobby with so many different aspects to it that people can learn from and enjoy. I think it's fantastic. Instead of this is the greatest hobby, as in literally better than every other hobby that that people could spend their time on. That's that's all I was saying. Yeah, and I am saying that for me. <laughs> so, right, I mean, right. But I'm not saying it for everybody. In fact, there's a benefit to having done all these episodes. I also did an episode with a track guy that running is the great because running has the cardiovascular aerobic kind of stuff too. But that I guy playing sports. I think playing sports is a better hobby than. And I did that too. And I love playing. Yeah. And when I was growing up, my mom said, what are you doing in here with the cards? It didn't happen very often. I said, well, it's raining. She said, no, it's misting. Get outside and play sports. <laughs> my dad. Even my, even my comment is just personal. I think sports are better than sports cards. So that's just a personal thing. I think 80% of people think that. But I, I know a lot of people in the hobby that really never got involved in playing sports at any level that was very enjoyable, I don't think. Yet they love the hobby. It's a personal judgment. And I'm trying to say reflecting back on my career, I think this is a really worthy hobby and people should look into it and it's legit. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I'm as, not a little, to- as a little aside, I will say that I think those that have played sports and then are interested in collecting, I think that's a sweet spot there because I know me, I play baseball still. I play every Friday. I have a couple guys that I practice with. And I think there's an insight there that I have as a player investor that it enhances it. Totally agree. Are you 50-50 collector investor or are you a little more on the investor side? I'm more on the investor side. Investors don't always think like that. I think you should invest in things and that goes for the stock market as well as uh, sports cards. That's why I stick with baseball. You're a baseball yeah. guy. You got to stick with baseball instead of thinking, hey, I think there's some stuff going on with soccer because what you've disclosed and the way you do it, there's huge bucks to be made in buying low and selling high. And that doesn't mean fleecing anybody. It means recognizing right. this player is undervalued right now and most likely a good chance this guy in a couple of years is going to be a star and I'll be in at a low price. Baseball's kind of an old school game. Some of these old scouts, they can see a 16-year-old kid and say, let's sign this guy when he's 17 or 18 or whatever. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The Warren Buffett principle investment went definitely what I'm applying. One more question for you. The man in the house of cards, the man in the house of cards is doing what? He's doing all right. He's doing all right. Okay. I couldn't I tell. Just you. listen to it. It's uh, very cryptic, uh, but I think <laughs> he's doing all right. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Uh, and, and he is doing all right. If I'm the man in the house of cards, I do actually have a house of cards. So. <laughs> I can tell. Thanks again, Kurt.